impacts them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. Hit record. Chris, I'm excited for this, man. Thanks again for taking the time. And where are you out of right now? Still... <laughs> I didn't even share this with you. Right now, I'm in Naples, Italy. I saw that on your story, and I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was like a memory or if it was real time. I like no, that. No, it's real time. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you guys eating some good pizza too. <laughs> oh man, the food here is incredible. <laughs> oh, well, live it up and have a slice for me, brother. I love it. You got it. <laughs> Let's get this uh, Modern Man podcast with Chris Marhefka started in three, two, one. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. If you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you will find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. And I'm excited to have a, a good friend on the show coming out of Naples, Italy. It is my pleasure to introduce fulfillment coach, Chris Marhefka. Chris, thank you so much for being on, man. Ted, thank you so much for having me, brother. I'm so excited for this. I I am too. And I, I know in our, in our pre-record right before hopping on, we were, I was like, man, we have to hit record because this is gold. Every time <laughs> I, I, I got to say, every time I catch up with you, talk to you, my cup gets full. So I'm excited for our audience to get some of that as well. Uh, and before we jump into the conversation, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience for anyone who might not have come across your content before on social, mm -hmm. um, anyone who might not be familiar with your work. I, I would love to kind of give you the stage and, and, and let you address mm -hmm. the folks really quick. Mm, thanks so much, Ted. Um, yeah, I'm, I refer to myself as an entrepreneur and a coach. However, um, the details of what I do seem to change every single day, but it's always about serving others. And um, a lot of times the way I serve others is just through mentorship and coaching um, and retreats and programs just to, to support people on a journey that I've walked myself is really all that it is. I'm just sharing my wisdom and experience and hoping that it's useful for other people. Yeah, absolutely. I know when it comes to experience and, and you know what, I'm going to jump past all the notes, go right to kind of what we were talking about mm -hmm. before hitting record, because I think so many guys need to hear this about mm -hmm. really the work ethic aspect, right? Something mm -hmm. that you grew up very much mm -hmm. embedded in being the son of two immigrant parents work was all I knew growing up. So that's kind of what I adopted what I started my career, and it's taken me far. I'd mm -hmm. love for you to kind of pull back the curtains really quick, share some of your story, talking mm -hmm. about sir, the, the benefits of that work, but also the yeah. dangers that come with it if we don't regulate ourselves and pace ourselves for the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is like a phenomenal topic for any man to consider, to be honest, no matter what stage they're in. Mm -hmm. Um, because similar to what you just shared, I, I grew up in, in, in an immigrant way as well, not my parents, but my grandparents and everything was around hard work. It was like to succeed in life, you have to work hard. And really for, for me, it was like the story of like giving up your life today so that in some future timeline, you will have a great life. Yeah. And I really bought into that story for like the first 
30 to call it 32 years of my life. Um, and I'm really grateful for that time because again, like you shared, there's an enormous amount of benefits to learning how to work hard. I think that that is a good thing to learn when you're young and you're in your twenties and you have a, a massive capacity to do so. Um, I'm really grateful for that because I know how to turn it on when I need to. The difference though, is that I came to a point to where I hit my limit and I don't mean like I chose it. I mean, I mean, it was chosen for me. Um, I was, I was at the time I was competing as a, as a competitive ultra endurance runner, obstacle course runner, Ironman triathlete, CrossFit athlete all at the same time. And I was also working like 80, hundred hour work weeks. I was running two, sometimes three companies during, during a 10 year period. And basically like I got to a point to where my body just stopped me. Mm -hmm. And I had a stress induced brain injury that basically put me, sat me down for seven months. And for seven months, I couldn't work out. I couldn't even raise my heart rate above resting. And I couldn't work because I had a constant headache for seven months straight. And so like looking back now, like it was a great gift because the way I was going, it was okay. And again, at 25, even at 30, and then actually right after 30, it was around 32 when that happened to me. And it completely changed my life because I was forced to start living smarter. I was forced to start prioritizing in my life because up until that point, even though I had successful businesses because I was working so hard, it was at the expense of everything else. And everything else was my health. Um, I thought I was in good shape because I was doing all these things, but really like I was just digging to the bottom of the well and then, and then I hit it. And it was also at the expense of my relationship. I was in a 10 year relationship, uh, eventually married and, um, years, years later, a few years ago, divorce, a lot of it was because business and like working hard was the only thing on my mind and everything else was so far down. Like I was never present back then. I was never a good partner, a good husband. And so I learned the very hard way by losing all of it, including almost my health and my life, um, that I couldn't continue on that way. And I had to learn how to make other things important in my life while not also dropping the goals that I had and the, the achievements I wanted to have in my life and the things I wanted to build. And all it did was it forced me to say no to more things. <laughs> That's really what it was. It forced me to have boundaries and it forced me to communicate those boundaries. And it forced me to have tighter structure in my life. Like you and I were talking about is like, now we're at a stage to where we love the structure because it gives us flexibility. If something happens and I need to drop everything, like I can do it. Mm -hmm. Like if, if my partner gets sick, like, like we were just talking about, or my parents fall into the hospital, they're getting older. Like I'll be there Yeah. And that afternoon. I'll take a flight and I'll be there and I'll be able to stay as long as I need to. And like, it's because I've created that structure and the, the boundaries. And I only do the things that are important to me. And then I know when I can say yes and when I can be flexible and say no. Yeah. Um, I'm curious 
as to so uh, two questions in that experience because i imagine in those seven months being that it, a lot of things kind of get clearer in hindsight right <laughs> but when we're in the moment and it's just happening mm -hmm. i'm curious to know what was i guess the primary thought through those seven months right because mm -hmm. you you go from wide open and i imagine like a sports car driving yeah. 100 miles an hour to dead stop mm -hmm. that had to have felt completely mm -hmm. uh alien to you man any words i say is an understatement to how i feel and i can still connect to it but i'll tell you like ted it was the it was the deepest darkest time of my life mm -hmm. um up until that point i had pushed away or really just distracted from any semblance of feelings or emotions or any sort, anything that I would consider weakness. And so all of that flooded in all at one time, because what I was doing previously is like, if a thought came up that I didn't like, or an emotion came up, God forbid, I would just work or I would work out or I'd go compete or I would distract myself with something else. And my two primary ones were, were business and fitness. And um, when that wasn't there, when I couldn't do either one of those, I was literally just sitting in stillness for the first time in my life. And all I had was me and my thoughts. And I finally started, this was really what I would call like the beginning of my transformation or my awakening process, because it was the first time where I was actually seeing my stories right in front of me, like a movie, I was seeing my thoughts. And it was the first time where I wasn't caught up in them. Mm. And so in a way, it was a really positive thing. Because I started to have awareness and consciousness around all these things that were happening inside me. But it was, it was tough, man. It was mm. all it was a lifetime's worth, like in an instant. Yeah. And uh, so much fear, so, um, I mean, honestly, like fear that some days I wouldn't wake up. There was, there was fear that like, if I ever got back to training, that my brain would explode and I would die. Like, these are things that I love doing. It was, it was fear that I would never have success in business again, because like, I didn't know if I would ever be able to work again. I couldn't think there was, um, there was a lot of fear because up until that point, I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know how to be supported. and. Um, there was fear that everything would come crashing down. There was, yeah, there, there was fear that my life would never be the same. And like, I laugh now because it's not the same, but in a way better way, because I actually leaned into learning those lessons. Yeah. When that seven months started to come to an end, it, and it wasn't like I knew it was seven months. It was just like, that's how long it took for me to heal. I was just, just resting, just recovering, just healing. And, um, and then finally, as I was easing back into life, Everything inside me was just like, like, we can't do that. Like we can't because, because as I started to get back into it, like there were these little, like, um, like breadcrumbs, like, like, are you sure there's this competition would show up and be like, Oh, I'll go train for that. And I'm like, no, or like, I'll go back into the office and like start working longer and longer hours and I'll start. And, and then my body would, it would start coming back on again and be like, no, like you can't go back to that. But even after that painful, like the darkest time of my life, I was unconsciously going back into it as soon as I quote unquote could. That's how sneaky it was. Yeah. It was so sneaky. 
And, and so now I just have like a really, really keen awareness because even through all that, like I'll tell you, Ted, I mean, I'm, I'm six years out of that injury and I can still find myself like sneaking back into that pattern of overworking. Sometimes I'll be on the computer late when it's like clearly not time where I need to be doing any of this. And I'll just be like cranking away at something. And I'll just be like, what am I doing? Like, this really doesn't need to happen. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go spend time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm lucky where, you know, my wife, she'll work as my accountability to mm-hmm. how I have my whole calendar time blocked. And there's times where I'm saying, okay, who I need to maybe work on something a little bit outside of those a lot of times. But for the most part, if I'm outside of those a lot of times, and especially if it's just time, she'll remind mm-hmm. me really quick. She's like, How'd you get to your computer? And I'm like, oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a quick, yeah. it's a quick that's a, drop. That's a great woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a quick drop yeah. and go back. Um, mm-hmm. The second thought I had, because I could only imagine how w- when we are forced to stop and it feels so uncomfortable and unorthodox, um, it, it could literally feel like a prison. And, and you mm-hmm. add that fear that you were dealing with. Um, you know, I can only imagine that process of the seven months. Now, the second thought process was uh, of, and some people go from the the high performance, go, 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 go to the sedentary lifestyle, and then they get comfortable in it, mm-hmm. right? And and we were kind of talking about two evils here. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really somewhere in between where the magic happens. But I'm curious as to if at any point that sedentariness and that calmness got comfortable to you to where maybe some of the foundations that you set up started slipping. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll be honest. I probably spent, I spent probably a good two to three years where I was just like really taking it easy on myself. And a lot of it was intentional. I ended up selling two of my businesses and um, I just knew I needed a break. I I would say that I maybe stayed in it a little longer than it it wanted to because it was so comfortable. And this is the thing why I love coaching men through this because I've now come out on the other side of that having enjoyed like the ease of life and and like just like vacation vibration all the time. Mm-hmm. Having come out of that, that's actually not nourishing either. It can be comfortable but it's not nourishing, especially not for a masculine being, not for a man who's in his masculine. We need to be building. Um, we need to be striving towards something. It's, it's, it's in our nature. And so without that, uh, there were definitely times when I was feeling like less than I was feeling like I wasn't myself. I wasn't feeling lit up about life, even though it was enjoyable um, for the moment it also wasn't sustainable for another reason. And like you said, like these are just two ends of the spectrum. And I think it's important for people to feel the different extremes so that they know the value. Um, and also like the negative, the, like the shadow of it as well. Um, if you don't fully experience either one of them, oftentimes I think there's like a grass is always greener on the other side mentality. It's like this idea that a lot of people have about like, quote unquote, like retirement, where it's like you work hard and you're like in the hard work for like your first half of your life or up until 65 for a lot of people. And then it's this period where you just do nothing. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of men especially get to that point and they can't do it. It's actually not, it's not what they want. And so it's almost like they, they use their whole life to try to figure out both ends of the spectrum. I encourage men to, to try to find and, and feel both ends of the spectrum. Like now, like whether you're 20, whether you're 30, whether you're 40, whether you're 50, like if, if a man hasn't taken like a month off of work his whole life, like I think he needs to do that just to experience it. And I think a month is like, even on the the short side, Mm -hmm. I travel a lot and every other part of the world has these, has sabbaticals. They have real vacation day, not like a long weekend where you take your kids to Disney world and super stressful and you're really not out of the mode of work, but it changes something inside of you. It, it, at least for me, it gives like when I'm slow and I'm in this like slow vibration, it gives me a deeper appreciation for the moments of life. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that, then all of the work is for like, what is it for if we can't ever appreciate what we're doing? And so eventually this is, this is actually what I talk about in my book. Um, where I take people through three stages. Stage one is actually more of the feminine, it's more the feeling. Stage two is the masculine, where it's just like the head down work. And then phase three is the integrated stage when you've you've actually felt both of them and you're finding like where your pendulum wants to swing and sit at this stage of your life, because that also changes. Mm. And so it's really important that like, like maybe... Uh, actually, I can I can say it now on the podcast since this will be airing in a few months. Um, my partner and I were were pregnant, so we're going to be having our our first child together. Congratulations, so man! Much. Yeah, so by the time this comes out, we'll be married. We'll have a baby. Um, That's huge. And and I know my life is going to be so, like so much different than it is today. And my pendulum may be swung a little bit more back to the rest and not working so hard and spending time. I, it really just, my job will be different. It'll be taking care of baby. It'll be taking care of mama at least for a few months. Mm-hmm. And so my priorities will change at that time. And so, but I honestly, had I not learned that lesson of going slow, I probably wouldn't do that if I didn't have that. Like I wouldn't be able to switch gears basically. Mm-hmm. And I think the art of phase three is where we can learn how to switch gears like gracefully and quickly from moment to moment. And the question I always ask is like, what does this moment need of me? Does it need me to slow down and appreciate and just receive and be in this moment? Or does it need me to put my head down and like go after something? Those are two very different energies. And I try to balance both of them. And um, yeah, I I think all men should learn that. Yeah. Most men, I'm sure you can agree with this are way, way far on the hard work side, at least most men that I interact with. Yeah. And a lot of our audience, they're, they're mm-hmm. on the go, 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 go side. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really where my foundation came from, right? Was, was the hustle, hustle, get after it, big audacious goals, put our head down, mm-hmm. go only lift your head up to check how far away from the goal we are, um, which I, I do want to take a moment and, you know, uh, just say thank you for sharing that on the podcast. Congratulations. I'm so excited for, for you and your soon to be wife. It's going to be amazing. Um, and, and I can't wait to see um, the, the family that you guys build mm-hmm. together. And I appreciate you sharing that. But also 
what you mentioned about the ability to switch and when the necessity comes, unfortunately, I think a lot of men are not equipped for that switch when it happens. And you even see it in, in terms of our benefit structure, maternity leave for, for most companies could be 12 weeks or whatnot, which it's not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then for, for, for the guys, you're, you're looking at two weeks, four weeks, which also, we could say it isn't enough. And for some guys yeah. that I've seen in their experience was, you know, baby comes out a week later, they're back at work to mm-hmm. keep making that money. What would you say to some of the guys that might have a hard time making that switch who haven't learned, quite frankly, how to maybe embrace the feminine and lean from Mm-hmm. the hustle go to more of the just presence and feeling and mm-hmm. and settling down. You know, Ted, I've said this advice so many times, but I'll be honest, if I would have heard this when I was 30, I probably wouldn't have actually absorbed it. And it's learn the lesson before the lesson is forced on you to learn it. Mm-hmm. I got forced. I had no other option. You know, I use this analogy all the time when I talk about how we get signals or signs that we need to pay attention to something. And it's the feather, the brick, and the Mack truck. And it's just like, imagine you're walking down the sidewalk and a feather just kind of like grazes off your hair, off your shoulder. Most people do not even notice that. It's just so subtle. Don't even notice it. Even if you notice, you're like, oh, it's a feather, brush it off. Then you keep walking and then a brick hits you in the chest. It's something that like, it's going to leave a mark like that hurt a lot. Like you stop and it maybe knocks the wind out of you. And most of us would say, wow, I should really pay attention to that sign. I just got like, for me, it was, man, I had, I had probably half a dozen injuries before that major one that like, I broke my leg. I fractured my, like my wrist, torn my shoulder. Like there was plenty of signals that was like, Hey, Chris, slow down. But I didn't let, those were all the bricks. And then eventually you're crossing the street at the crosswalk and the Mack truck, the semi truck just runs you over and you are now literally or figuratively up in the hospital and you have no choice. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, or fortunately, like we all, most of us wait until we hit that point where this is just like, we've had enough. There's enough pain here to make a change. One of my men, like, so I mean, so many people say this, one of my mentors says it all, all the time. When we talk about learning, he's like, you want to learn from the pain doctor? You want to learn from the the pleasure doctor? He's like, you can learn from both, but most of us, we just wait for enough pain to make a change. And so for all the men out there is like, don't wait for the pain, even though I know many guys listening are going to wait for the pain. (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah, a lot of us will. And even over my right shoulder, I think you're familiar with the book. We might have talked about it last time. Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's, It's one of those things that he mentions in the book is, you know, change comes about one of two ways, either someone who um, chooses to learn from someone else's experience, takes it upon themselves to change, or the the stimulus is just too much to ignore, like that mm-hmm. Mack truck, and we have no other choice. And it's been something that my wife has said to me once before, way back early on in our relationship, she said, you know, you're not going to rest unless your body forces you to. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that was probably the brick that I did not listen to. <laughs> and <laughs> she, she was right, because yeah. I think 
when we were first dating in in my early 30s, buying a house, working a job, trying to scale a business, all that, I, the only thing that put me on my butt was COVID. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that was what it took for me to actually take a few days off of work and actually mm-hmm. rest. And now I'm I'm a proponent of if I feel like I need rest, if I feel like hey, I can't do this right now. I give myself that grace. Mm -hmm. I also make sure to give myself grace for some of the things in life that are more important now that I realize are more important than the ambition and then the goals. When Mm -hmm. my in-laws come to town, I clear my schedule. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned before the call, when my wife is sick, I clear my schedule. I think, and there was a, I saw this kind of concept on your website and, and I know your book is the fulfillment blueprint, but I thought of the concept of flowing and forcing, right? And I kind of saw that on your website, kind of preparing for this interview is a lot of us work in that force where we are forcing our future. We are forcing our outcome and we're putting our head down. And and much like we find out in the gym, you know, with a lever long enough and a fulcrum strong enough, I can move the world. I can do this. However, the other side is just flowing and be like, okay, let it happen. Let it go and, and do whatever it is. But that magic in between is 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 really the point at which I think we really get the fruit of life. Yes, 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 yes. I, I love that you brought this up um, because up until I experienced it for myself, I didn't really see the value in the feminine. I didn't see the value in that type of energy. Mm-hmm. What I can speak to now is that being in those times where I'm moving slower, I'm contemplating more, I'm more open to ideas and more creative. That is when the call it the aha moments, the moments of crystal clarity happen for me. And that's when I can turn it on and go towards that thing. Like when clarity comes, I'm like, okay, I got it, got the message. And then I know how to turn the switch and go. The difference is, is before that point, like before I learned to embrace that time off, I would just go, 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 go without really considering what I was going towards. Mm. It's like the analogy of, of climbing the mountain. This is, they use this a lot of times with men when they talk about the second mountain is like a lot of men spend the majority of their life climbing a mountain they never chose. And they oftentimes get to the top or somewhere up the way towards the top. And they realize like a lot of times it's, it's after a divorce or it's after they have kids or some major life event or some crisis, they have this like aha moment. where like, wow, I didn't really choose this mountain that I'm climbing. And what would it be like if I chose a different mountain? And it takes a lot of courage to just stop. Oftentimes, what people think is backtrack. Maybe they're quitting a job or they're changing careers or just moving towards a life that's more fulfilling for them. But they climb back down the mountain and they look around and they choose the mountain they want to climb. Oftentimes this happens with relationships. Is like a lot of men, myself included, I didn't know what choosing a woman was, what that actually meant for my entirety of my first 10-year relationship and marriage. Like I didn't know what it meant to actually choose the woman. She was just the woman I was with. And like, I kept climbing with her 
But now I realize, like, wow, like when I actually chose her, like the, my current partner, it's like, wow, I get it. Like, that's so different than the relationship I was in before. And it wasn't about her, it was about my choosing. And this is really important for men is we need to be in like conscious, intentional choosing of the people in our life. This is our partner, first and foremost, our close circle of friends. We need to be choosing our mission and what the work we're doing in the world. And we need to be choosing how and where we spend our time and energy, primarily as it relates to like our physical self and our body and our time. Um, and if, if those things aren't checked off, like one of those is going to cause a problem. Mm -hmm. That's actually what I call the foot. Those are the four pillars that I go into in my book. And they're, they're, every man has at least one weak link in that chain. If they've never done intentional work, if you, if you've done intentional work, you can shore up all those weaknesses and have a really like strong foundation, but it takes work. And, um, and when you are always constantly going, there's never a reflection time. There's never like a check-in time. Like, how am I doing? Like, am I going the right way? It's, um, I think I use this. Yeah. I mean, there's so many analogies that are coming to me right now, but I finally found the value because when I did it during that seven month period, I realized a lot of the way I was living my life, like actually wasn't me. Yeah. It was what I learned from my parents and their parents and like this immigrant upbringing. And I was like, I've just been going just because I thought that's what I had to do. And that's when I started to clean up my life. I started to say no to things to create boundaries. And then the next time it happened, the time was shorter. I got clearer quicker. And then I took action on the next thing. And then every time I go through these cycles where it's like, okay, I need to pause and like, look, it can be now like minutes. I can literally mm -hmm. just sit back and be like, okay, great. Move forward. Um, but it's training. It's literally like training at the gym. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, working that muscle and, and, and even the, the no word. I think mm -hmm. for me was working that muscle. And you know, when I went to Cabo, I remember beforehand, and you know, I, I invest in programs, I invest in some coaching, I'm investing in just ways to grow myself. And I remember. I'm talking about a program and starting it. And they're like, oh, you know, it'd be very beneficial to start this before you go to Cabo because you can spend some of your time in Cabo think working over the material and stuff. And I was like, nope, mm -hmm. don't even, right? You know, that time is sacred to me. Mm -hmm. I am intentionally unplugging. And I remember I love to read. I read my books and I packed a couple of books to Cabo. And my wife's like, oh, what books did you pack? No business books, no mm -hmm. books related to uh, work. Actually, it was my favorite book, The Alchemist, that I packed, a nonfiction book that just is a story that just gives me some mm -hmm. insight on the world and something I could just kick my feet up and relax. And I also bought the other book by Pablo Cielo, also The Archer, uh, which is a very small, simple read, another uh, fictional book. And I just wanted to read the two good stories, enjoy my time in the sun, and wake up with the sun, go to sleep when I'm tired and just enjoy. Mm -hmm. But that boundary was helpful because the clarity led to the boundary, the clarity mm -hmm. and understanding, like you mentioned, the intentionality and the conscious choice of what is my intention moving forward here? What am I actually going for? Mm -hmm. Helped give me the understanding of how to operate and how to show up. Kind of what you mentioned, what is needed of me? What was needed of me in Cabo was not 
mission-driven Ted. What was needed yeah. of me in Cabo was present, enjoying, living in the moment, Ted, which was hugely beneficial because when I came back and started working again, my output was doubled. Mm-hmm. And my my clarity almost instantly when I mm-hmm. lay down to meditate, answers are coming to me faster, these, these revelations, because I took the time to unplug for a little while. Uh, I want to talk really quick about the importance of the decisions we make, because y- you were leaning into how we can live an epic life and really fulfilled life through that intentionality. And a lot of it comes with the consciousness of understanding where we're going. But I realize every single day, every single moment, even us sitting on this podcast together, you in Naples, Italy, me here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we made a conscious decision to sit here and do this. And because of that, we're going to have a product out of it. How important is it for for men and anyone listening to really hone in and audit the decisions that they make on a daily basis? Mm. Man, I, I just got goosebumps, man, because I think that's one of the most what's coming to me is like, that's one of the most valuable lessons like any man can learn is how to choose to be in every moment that he's going to be in. Because any moment you're in something and you don't actually want to be there, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your disservice to every single person who's there. Like if you're in a job that you don't want to be in, like you're not helping anyone by being there. Even if you're pretending, this is what actually what I learned along the way too, is as like, as a boss running my company is when, when I was checked out, I talked to, I still talk to a lot of my team, like years and years later. And they're like, yeah, we knew you didn't want, like they knew, like I was trying to put on a front, like, oh yeah, I love this. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Everyone knows it. When you're in a relationship that you don't want to be in, like you're not serving yourself or that other person. And I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like all of those things are hard. Those are really hard to make those big life decisions, but it can start with practicing in the small things. So if it's like, if, if, if you asked me to do this podcast or, or, and, and I was a no to it and I didn't say no, I would show up on beer and be resentful or I'd be like, Oh, this is what I, I guess I've been doing. Or, or you have a meeting at work and someone just asks you to have a meeting and you don't want to be there. And you're just like, yes, sure. How many times do we say yes to things that we aren't actually a yes to? And you know, you know, what's required to get clear is to pause for just a moment before answering. This is what I, this is one of the first things I teach men that I work with is just to stop, take a breath, slow down and to learn how to trust your knowing rather than just what your mind is saying. Your mind is just like a chaotic hamster on a wheel. It's going to do what it's designed to do. So you can learn to, you can learn to listen to a deeper wisdom, but that only comes when you just slow down for a moment. Like you were saying with meditation is like you slow down for a moment and like wisdom's there, clarity's there the same thing happens like in our everyday life. And so my intention for myself and like what I try to impart to other people is the more moments where I can like be fully here gives me the opportunity to choose the next moment to be fully there. If I'm not fully here now in this moment, I'm just going to be unconsciously going forward with my head down, not choosing the next moment and the moment after that. And that carries over into days 
and weeks and years and a lifetime. But it works the other way too. So if I'm present in this moment, I can choose the next moment. And I, that that's a that's a day of presence, a week of presence. And that, that's what creates an epic lifetime is that you're consciously choosing as many moments as you're aware of um, to fully be in. Man, that's the greatest gift we can give ourselves. That's how you design the life you want mm-hmm. is only be a yes to something you're a full yes to. Yeah. I think of uh, a good friend of mine. He speaks Spanish. And, and I say that because in high school and then even college, I took Spanish and as well as everybody else in my in my graduating class. But he was he was the kid in Spanish class that took it seriously. Like he actually mm-hmm. intended on Spanish. And then we went to college and we continued going to Spanish class. And he's like, you know what? Why not minor in it? And then he mm-hmm. studied abroad in it. And I remember asking him, I was like, Oh man, like, how do you speak? How do you know Spanish so well? He's like, because I actually mm-hmm. invested when we were in the class. And I think to this day, how many kids went through five years of Spanish, myself included, who sure, I can understand a couple words here and there, but we never got the juice out of mm-hmm. that fruit, right? Because we weren't fully there. We weren't fully present. Yeah. We didn't choose to be where we were. Yeah, Colin did. And because of that, he has a he has a skill for a lifetime. He can mo- speak multiple languages. He he works on a team now that's international because of his ability to speak multiple languages. And mm-hmm. he's getting the juice out of that fruit all because he chose to be where he was. And, and I use that example as, as something as minuscule as Spanish class in high school to really kind of transition it into anyone listening who's running a business or in that relationship whoever's there not fully getting the squeeze and you might recognize somebody else who in their moment can do so much more with the same amount of time because they're fully present, they're fully invested and and they're really taking every second as what it can give. Kind of like the if poem, Rudyard Kipling, we've mentioned it on the podcast before. If you could feel feel the unforgiven minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And what's more is you'll be a man, my son. It's committing to what you choose to do um, and leading to mm-hmm. an epic life. Um, I'd, I'd love for folks to to learn more about uh, not just the book, The Fulfillment mm-hmm. Blueprint, but more on how they can connect with you, Chris, how how they can, can pick up some of your programs. And even for the guys listening, participate in some of the retreats that you hold mm-hmm. um, for the immense benefit and value that they can get from it how can they connect Hmm. yeah the best way to find me is on chrismarhefka.com and chrismarhefka on instagram those are the two places where i've can find just about everything i'm doing uh admittedly up until the last few months i've been pretty slow on instagram at the recommendation of my um my writing mentor this is this is another thing where i was really struggling to finish the book that i said was a priority but it was because my attention was spread so broadly and he said look do you want to write the book or not do you want to finish it and i said yes he's like stop sending out your newsletter and stop posting on Instagram, that's all leaky energy. Mm-hmm. When you're creating for that, you're not creating for the book. And I was like, but, 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 but. And he's like, do you want it or not? 
And I said, I want it. And so abracadabra, I put all of my intention on something I really wanted and I got it done quicker than I thought. And so I was like, okay, now I can get back to these other things if I choose. But again, creating those boundaries and, and having a priority to something I actually wanted now gave me consideration is like, Oh, actually, how do I want to come back to these vehicles? Like I'm going to come back to them more consciously. Mm -hmm. So again, it's like another choice that, that one choice now led to more choices and more intentional choices. Absolutely. Cause that, that putting a mirror up to myself, a lot of times I will commit to something for, for the modern man, the noble nights, the newsletter podcast, and these weekly uh, check-ins and I will never give myself grace and I, and I will almost out of obligation continue them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when I'm trying to maybe create something that could benefit the group more, mm -hmm. I end up spreading myself thin where now mm -hmm. I'm more of the, you know, systems processes are automated, but also more of the, before I start something, I'm slow to approach. I'm, I'm slow yes. to jump in. I'm, yes. <laughs> assessing how it fits in i'm not like oh yeah let's start this nope <laughs> take it take a little bit of break but i'll definitely have those links in, in the show notes for for people to open up their description if they're watching on youtube or open up the show notes on any app and they can connect with you on there and uh last question it's usually the heavy one and if you need to think about it for a few seconds, that's okay. I don't mind uh, some de dead space on this, but it's uh, what, what is something that you've seen or something that has happened to you that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Hmm. Hmm. Just trust the first one that comes up. Um, or four years ago or so, um, my father in a hospital bed, mm. um, and like, not sure if he was going to make it like through a, like a, a life threatening heart surgery. And it, it puts so much of my life in perspective. It, I think it was really the first time where I actually saw like, how finite life could be. And I had grandparents pass away and I've been at the funerals, but nothing felt as real as, as showing up. I flew in and I went to the hospital and like, I had never seen him like weak. I had never seen him, um, suffering like that. I'd never seen him in fear like that. And I have so much, like respect and admiration for him and all of the things that he taught me. But in that moment, like he doesn't even know how much he taught me. Uh, and it was soon after that time that I started to actually consider like what I was doing in my life and how I was spending those precious moments. Mm -hmm. And yeah, man, it's, it's still like, I can connect to it right now. And it's actually really helpful for me. Um, so we're really helpful to remember that. Cause like, we just don't know. Yeah. Like we don't know. Man. Like we're, we're young and healthy, but we don't know. I appreciate you sharing that, man. I, <laughs> I called, uh, 
last week I called my my dad and I said, you know, my dad's 81, my mom's 76. And uh, I said, dad, put me on speakerphone. And he's like, uh, all right. I was like, can mom hear me? She's like, yeah. And I just, you know, I, I speak to them every week. And I uh, just, you know, I just said, mom, dad, I just wanted to say how thankful and grateful I am to have you both in my life still. And I know we talk every week, but I'm sorry, I don't call more often. And mm-hmm. just kind of wanting to give them the flowers while, they, while they're here, because, you know, those moments put so much into perspective for us. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for anyone who has lost a parent that's listening right now, they probably, you know, they, they know that gift. They, they know what that t- how important that time is. So anyone who still has their parents, um, I hope they don't take it for granted. And and I thank you for sharing that reflection with us because I know someone's probably going to listen to this podcast and the, and call their parents and, mm. and get that reflection from it. So, so mm. Chris, thank you so much, brother. Yeah, thank you for asking. This has been um, an, an amazing episode as as I knew it would be. Um, we, we, we've covered so much, but the main takeaway is, is that balance that I've got. And I'm going to, I'm going to share some of the gems that you left along the way in terms of the notes that I've taken. Cause I know a lot of folks are probably running. They're probably uh, driving their car to work or from work. I appreciate you guys taking the time. Don't worry. I took the notes for you through the episode, but you know, serving others, how you started with, you know, a lot of, a lot of our lives find fulfillment in serving others. At least I know for myself, when I started serving others, I started finding joy. And then being so much in that hustle mode until our body stops us. It could be scary when you're a fast sports car that's suddenly forced to stop. And it might feel unorthodox at first, but maybe it's the universe, the world, your body telling you that you need to slow down because slowing down is, you've heard it before, where you get to smell the roses, stop and smell the roses, right? And it, it it it's literal because if we move through life too fast, we don't get to absorb the things that are truly happening around us and maybe reflect enough to know how we actually feel in the moment. Uh, the hustle versus the ease. For some of us, we hustle too much. For some, we might be too lackadaisical. And maybe we haven't earned that, that rest because we haven't put in the work yet, but setting up a system, living smarter and having those processes and leaning into our masculine because we want to build is helpful, but also understanding the other half of the appreciation of life moments in that rest. Um, what does the moment need from me? Maybe taking the time to ask ourselves what's needed of me in this moment. And then also leaning into making conscious choices and decisions into what we actually want to be a part of to show up better in those moments in life. And then finally, choosing to be where you are fully and completely and invest your whole heart and your presence into that. Just simple ways we can start living an epic life. And if we want to get more of that, be sure to check out Chris Marhefka on Instagram, his website. I have the links in the show notes below. And of course, we, as always, make sure you share this episode with a friend if you got value from it, because it's the best compliment that you can show us. Chris, thank you again for an amazing uh, episode. Thank you guys for listening and making it all the way to the end. Leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. The best way we can improve is with your feedback. And as always, hit that like and subscribe button so you can get a new episode each and every single week.
Thanks again for making it to the end. And as we always say, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get past the day. I think we're going to do a great job.